Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. Oh, we have an interesting quote from Jonathan Zittrain, a young guy born in 1969, American professor of internet law, and he's the George Bemis Professor of International Law at Harvard Law School, the author of The Future of the Internet and How to Stop It. That's interesting. Co-author of the books Access Denied, Access Control. Controlled and access contested, three separate books, and he founded Chilling Effects, a collaborative archive to protect lawful online activity from legal threats. Interesting guy. Wait till you hear the quote. Quote, the qualities that make Twitter seem inane and half-baked are what makes it so powerful. Oh, my. The key word I want you to take away in there is the word Twitter. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So let me give you a little background here. If you are not social media savvy yet, here's the scoop. The, shall we call it the 5,000 or 10,000 foot overview? Facebook, yes, it has the most users. Okay. LinkedIn, the de facto hub for serious business professionals. Yes. Twitter, eh, it's in between. Nobody's really figured out what its value is for business people, but we use it here at Game Changers Radio, hashtag SAP Radio. According to the American Press Institute, 79% of Twitter users use it to get breaking news and general news. That's a lot of people. 36%? Eh, they just want to pass the time having fun on Twitter. And 19% use it to network. Okay, if you're a business person looking for social selling, connections, relationships, collaboration, 19% doesn't sound exactly impressive. However... My panel of three experts today are going to tell you why 19% is not a throwaway number. You should not omit Twitter from your social selling toolkit for B2B. That's all I'm going to say. Let me tell you who they are. Welcome to our series here, Changing the Game with Social Selling Radio. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Let me tell you who my panelists are, and then we will hear from them in a moment. Welcoming back, they're all regular contributors to Game Changers, Sarah Goodall, CEO of Tribal Impact, and she will tell us in a few minutes what her company's up to. Kirsten Boyleau, Head of Regional Engagement and Social Selling at SAP, my guru, and Sherelle Robinson-Brown, Global Social Selling Program Team at SAP. Three very smart, savvy ladies who know what they're talking about. So first up, Sarah Goodall has sent us a quote from Stephen Fry. English comedian, actor, writer, presenter, and activist. He's known as being half of the comic double act Fry and Laurie, a collaborating with you, Laurie. He's also known for his voiceovers. He has read all seven Harry Potter novels for the UK audiobook recordings, and he has done a lot of other interesting things. So here's the quote. One technology doesn't replace another. It complements. Books are no more threatened by Kindle then stairs by elevator. I like that. Sarah Goodall, welcome back. How have you been? I've been great, thank you, and thanks for having me back. Um, Yeah, well, the sun is shining, right? And we've just had a long weekend in the UK, so 
We're all happy today. I'm glad you're all happy today, and we're happy to have you. And I was so intrigued when I read about Stephen Fry. I saw his picture, and I recognized him. Uh, He was the host of a BBC television quiz show called QI for 13 years. He's a writer. He's written four novels. He stars on BBC Radio 4 comedy series. He's a game show panelist. I don't think there's anything he hasn't done. I'm going to call him the Renaissance Man. So tell me, Sarah, when I read his background, I was surprised to get a quote about technology. So tell me how you found this quote. I'm fascinated. Well, I think Stephen Fry is is quintessentially British, and he's got the brain the size of a planet, so he is pretty smart. (laughs) Um, But he he also, I I just like this quote, because he hasn't really got a technology background, but whenever I do sort of social selling training, quite often I get, you know, is it LinkedIn or should I use Twitter? Which one is it that I should use? And I'm kind of like, well... Or, you know, does social selling replace old selling techniques? What what do I do? And the quote, this, I think, sums it up. You know, one does not replace the other. It's complementary. And when you're ready, you can adopt a new, uh, a new way of doing things. But it, essentially, it doesn't, it doesn't threaten the other way of doing stuff. It should complement it. And that's kind of my overarching feeling about Twitter and social selling. Thank you very much. And, and Sarah, the question often comes up on these shows, should people give up the old cold call method, throw away what we used to call a Rolodex? Oh, I've got 150 phone calls I haven't made today. Let me see who I can attack, who I can intrude on, who I can bother and pester, coax and cajole. Are those going by the wayside or should people still pick up the phone at the beginning of the sales cycle or should social selling online supplant that, just completely replace it and then add phone calls later? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's a very good question. I think more of that early nurturing process is being done digitally and people are less likely to take a cold call. That's just in my experience is what I hear from my customers. Um, and I think actually where Twitter fits in, because that's the theme of today's call, is even earlier than the kind of maybe the stuff that you're doing even on LinkedIn. It's like early, early, early nurturing. I mean, phone calls still have a place. But, um, you know, as an early touch to a non, you know, a cold prospect, it's going to work, right? It's a numbers game. It's just you're going to have to do more numbers to get that meeting probably than you had to before. But, um, you know, I've never used it as a technique and I don't intend to start using it either. So. Thank you very much. Appreciate that and welcome back. Uh, I have to tell everybody that Sarah tweeted today or she, she posted on Facebook, I think it was, and called me delightful. And I was delighted to be called <laughs> delightful. And thank you. You made my day. You started me off with a smile, Sarah, and I appreciate that. That's what friends are for. I'm going to cough now. <coughs> Excuse me. Kirsten Boylow is up next. And Kirsten has sent us a beautiful quote from Leo Biscaglia, full name Felice Leonardo, Leo Biscaglia, Ph.D., 1924 to 1998, known as Dr. Love, was, I hope I said that right, Kirsten, an American <laughs> author and motivational speaker, and it just came out, and a professor in the Department of Special Education at University of Southern California. Here's an interesting sidebar I didn't know about him. While teaching at USC, Biscaglia was moved by a student's suicide to contemplate human disconnectedness in the meaning of life, and he began a non-credit class at the university he called Love 1A. This became the basis for his first book, titled simply, Love. Just makes me want to cry. Here is the quote. Listen up. It's beautiful. Too often we underestimate the power of a touch. A smile, a kind word. I'm crying, Kirsten. A listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential 
to turn a life around. Wow. Kirsten, rescue me here. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you. And you absolutely are delightful to work with. It's been, it's been <laughs> oh, stop. Oh, so I just want to put that plug in there. <laughs> Oh, stop. So go ahead. Tell me about this quote. This this sounds so human. So I'm going to say it mushy gushy. So lovely. And when we think of internet and social selling, Kirsten, we think of taking the heart out of it. So talk to me about putting the heart back. Well, to me, sales has always been about relationships. And, and I also think it always will be about relationships when we're talking about, you know, the very complex uh, B2B sales especially. Um, you, you need to, you know, utilize relationships, build relationships. And this quote is all about connecting with someone. It's about making a connection. And I honestly think that uh, through social selling, you can make those connections. We tend to um, think about, you know, the technology versus the actual relationship that is built out of social. And I think that that's a, a bit of a detriment to, to social selling. It, it's not about the technology. It's not about the um, the platform or, the, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that it's behind a screen. It's about the connections that can be made, the human-to-human connections, as Brian Kramer would put it, um, that can be made uh, through social. I mean, I know I've made relationships and and built relationships with people that I have never met and probably never will meet, um, but feel like I'm very close to that person. And and it's all because of of social media. And, uh, And I think that that, you know, just recently, I just met Sarah, actually, person to person, um, hmm. uh, just a few weeks ago. And, but we have been very close for years and, and, uh, and you know, never felt there was anything particularly lacking from that relationship. But we've really made that connection through social media. And, um, and so that's what really it is all about. It's about making that connection. And, and you can, you have a t- potential to turn a life around. You never know what action, what words you might say that might have an impact on someone. And so you have to, one, you have to be very careful <laughs> about yes. how you uh, speak to people. But um, making that connection is, is extremely important. That's lovely. Thank you. We've just put the whole human back into social selling. I appreciate that, both of you. And now let me bring back another favorite of ours here on Game Changers Radio, Sherelle Robinson-Brown. And Sherelle has sent us a quote from somebody I never heard of, Kaoru, K-A-O-R-U, Shinmon, S-H-I-N-M-O-N. He calls himself a self-help author, a storyteller, public speaker, personal coach, and he says he's a consultant at Self-Employed. I like that description on LinkedIn. Here is, he wrote a book called My Journey Stepping into Sunshine. It's a collection of short stories ranging from an abusive childhood to growing into the person he says he was destined to become, chronicles the night his father abandoned the family and he was forced to cross cross the threshold into manhood. He acknowledges his indebtedness to the people who pushed him forward to find his purpose in life. Uh, There's that very human thread. So here's the quote Sherelle has selected. An open-minded person sees life without boundaries, whereas a closed-minded person can only see what's beyond their eyes. I think this is a poetry session today, ladies. I really do. Sherelle, welcome back. How have you been? I'm great, Bonnie. You know how savvy us social selling people are. I think uh, Kirsten (laughs) has proved it and so has um, so have I with this particular quote. It's good to be back on the show again. 
Thank you. Talk to me about this. Were you familiar with this gentleman, Caro Shimon, or did you just find the, the quote and thought it was a beautiful way to talk about the use of Twitter? Tell me. I, I found the quote, um, but I heard other parents talk about it at uh, a session that we were at at my kid's school. Um, I picked this particular quote because a very hot issue in my career is engaging with so many age demographics, and I think that there are like four generations in the workplace right now. I'm also the mom of a teenager, and so being involved with all of these characteristics, I have to keep an open mind, right? So I always have to think about, think without boundaries and put myself in the shoes of others, especially important with dealing with a teenager whose brain isn't fully developed. But from a (laughs) professional perspective, I think people are instinctively resistant to change, and as a social selling program manager, I just have to be open-minded to that and tailor my approach engage those folks gently so thank you very much uh yes i went through that teenage phase at one point i looked my daughter in the eye when she was 13 and i said uh, can i divorce you can you divorce me i said because this just isn't really working out well we yeah, worked through yeah. it and I became it's, best go, yeah, go ahead. it's a trend I'm, I'm waiting for that moment though i'm still there <laughs> yep well we we we, we uh, stuck it out and we, we we became very very good friends and very caring loving mother and daughter but it those those tough years, I know. They think they know everything, and they're in charge, and we can't let that happen exactly. So there you go, but I digress. So we have had three very interesting, wonderful quotes from our three panelists, and now it's time to do our little What's in Your Cup Today segment. So Sarah Goodall, I know we called you. Why don't you give us an idea of where in the world you are today? And we'd love to know what you're drinking right now, if it's interesting and fun. If not, what would you rather be drinking? What makes you the happiest ever? Sarah Goodall, talk to me. Well, I'm phoning in from the lovely sunny south coast of the United Kingdom. So I'm literally out of my front door. I'm about eight minutes walk from the seafront. So I'm incredibly lucky. And I'll tell you what's in my cup because it is quite interesting. I should tell you it is um, it's a cup of tea, but it's Canadian ice wine tea, a speciality mm. tea that Kirsten brought over when she came to meet my family a couple of months ago. or when it, I can't remember when it was now, Kirsten. And it's absolutely delicious. And um, I just thought when I saw Kirsten was on this call, I thought, this is brilliant. Um, I'm going to, that is what I'm going to put in my cup and I'm going to try it. So special Canadian ice wine tea. I'm looking it up here, and I have some pictures here. The Metropolitan Tea Company has a Canadian ice wine tea, 24 tea bags, and a beautiful tin box. Distinctive Decor Metropolitan also sells it in a very interesting cardboard box, and you can find it on Amazon. Canadian ice wine, it's either spelled ice wine, two words, or one word, ice wine, one word. Uh, They also have it in flavor, yeah, flavored black teas and culinary teas at Culinary Teas. Dot com made with frozen grape wine. Ooh, sounds delicious. I'm going to have to go get me some. Thank you very much, Sarah. And thank you you're to welcome. Kirsten for introducing you to that. We've never heard that one before. Kirsten, you're up. Where are you today? And what made you bring that special wine tea to Sarah? And what are you drinking? Well, I'm actually just drinking water, which is nothing particularly exciting. Um, but... Uh, downstairs, I have some kombucha, <laughs> and at the end of the day, I'm going to have some kombucha. It's uh, made with mangoes, this particular variety that I've got. Um, and why did I? Well, I was wanting to bring some Canadianness to uh, to Sarah, and I happen to live in a very touristy village. It's 
tiny village um, just outside of Waterloo. And uh, I didn't have to go on Amazon to buy the tea. I went down the street <laughs> to one of the shops and bought the tea. Um, <laughs> and I just, I, I actually haven't tried it myself, so we should have had some when I was there, Cheryl. Um, but I love, love ice wine. It's, it, well, it's extremely sweet, but uh, so you can only have it in very small amounts. But it's really, yes. really good, and it's made, you know, when we get the, the frost here in late fall, um, usually made with a Vidal grape or, uh, yeah, I think generally Vidal's because they're so sweet. Um, and then the ice really concentrates the sugars, and uh, they have to, like, harvest it at a particular time and all that kind of stuff. So it's very, very expensive, but very, very good. Well, you know, I was, uh, I used to live on Long Island, Kirsten, and I visited many years ago the Pindar wineries. On the East End, we have winery after winery after winery. Some of them have music. A lot of them have tastings. You just walk in, stand at the bar, and they'll give you tastings, whatever. They, they sell, sell hors d'oeuvres. Of course, they sell wine. And I remember being treated to a taste of ice wine, but they spelled it the French way, E-I-S. And I remember it was very concentrated because the sugar had collected, I think it was just after the first frost. And it was just like drinking pure purple sugar, and it was fabulous. Very expensive, small bottles. We're talking about the same type of thing, right, Kirsten? Yep, yep. Good memories. Thank you very much. I didn't buy a bottle, but now I might have to. Uh, oh, I tell you what, I'll do. I'd buy a bottle of the ice wine, and then I'd have tea on the side as a chaser. How does that sound? Don't even say anything. Thank you very much. And now let's go to Sherelle Robinson Brown. Where are you today, Sherelle? And what's your favorite drink? What powers you through those teenage years with your kids? Uh, um, I'm calling from the SAP office in Newtown Square in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm so happy to say that we're kind of experiencing some awesome spring weather after enduring mm-hmm. a very angry and brutal winter. Someone online in my geographic area actually stated that the winter was like a person arguing who storms out of the room and came back several times as it thought of <laughs> something else to say. So we're spring now, <laughs> fully here. Um, since I'm here at SAP, I'm just having a fun little sparkling lemon lime seltzer thingy from... Um, the cabinet here. So later I'm certainly definitely going to have some wine, but not right now. Okay. A special kind of wine, a, a, a flavor, a label, anything specific uh, you want to share with us? We'd love to know. I'm a sweet wine girl, so any Riesling is pretty good for me. Any, you know, hard lemonade, I, I'm cheap and easy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we, we won't go. I should have that stricken from the transcript. Thank you very much, Sherelle. Well, I, I produced one of my original romantic comedy plays here in my community this weekend. We did three performances, matinee Saturday and Sunday, and a Saturday evening. We had an audience of well over 400 people in total, and I threw a cast party in between all this for about 30 people here at my home. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I bought, I just went, I used the Barefoot brand. I like that the best. And we have a wonderful new grocery store that has a wine department that's bigger than a lot of liquor stores have. Seriously huge selection. And I like the label and I like the little barefoot imprinted on the on the gold label on the top of the barefoot brand. So I just kept picking up bottles and I just bought one of this and one of Moscato and a Chardonnay and a Riesling. And uh, what did I get? A Cabernet Sauvignon and I got a sparkling summer pink spritzer. Never heard of that. And I just put all the bottles out and the people came and they just drank and drank. I cooked, I baked too, but they drank and drank and drank. And it was interesting. The pink sparkling bubbly stuff was very 
popular. I should have bought three or four bottles. Everybody said, wow, summer spritzer, never had that. So I kept my head about me, and I'm not allowed to talk to wa- about wine when I'm on the radio, of course. So I will go back to my usual standard. I'm sitting here drinking my cool, clear mug of cool, clear water with a pink straw because, yes, it's sunny. It's a little bit cloudy, but mostly blue sky here in Durham, North Carolina. We've been hitting about the high 70s, low 80s for the past week off and on, a little bit of rain in between, and it's another beautiful day in the South, so I'm just going to go with that. I want to say we are talking about Insider Secrets Twitter for Social Selling. Before we take our break, I'm just going to ask my panelists if they agree with the opening quote, and then we'll take our quick break. So the quote from Jonathan Zetrain was, the qualities that make Twitter seem inane and half-baked are what makes it so powerful. Sarah Goodall, agree or disagree? Uh, I didn't catch the first bit. Sorry, Bonnie. Okay, the qualities that make Twitter seem inane and half-baked are what makes it so powerful. What do you think? Oh, dear. Oh, Oh, I don't know. You put me on the spot. Probably agree and disagree, actually. That's not very... I'm on the fence. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. That's good. We'll talk about that after the break. Kirsten Boyleau, agree or disagree? I I I'm kind of a Sarah. I agree and disagree because I I actually don't see much on Twitter that's inane and half baked because I don't follow those types of things. So ah okay, we are talking about B two B social selling, so we can add that caveat. Cheryl Robinson Brown, anything inane and half baked that makes Twitter endearing and and useful in your book? I do. I agree with it. I, I'm not fully thinking about it yet, but I just feel like it makes uh, people less pressure to engage and have more fun. So can get out of hand, but I do agree with that quote. Ah, thank you. I think Twitter has grown up a little bit. We'll talk about that when we come back. I'm going to give my panelists the pause that hopefully refreshes. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling Radio, presented by SAP. Kirsten Boylow is one of our panelists, and she is the sponsor of this series. Kirsten, always interesting topics. Talking today about insider secrets, Twitter for social selling. Is it a nine and a half baked, or is it wonderful in business? Does it have a business suit on now? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Our panelists are Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact, and I will ask you to tell us what your company's up to when we come back. And Kirsten Boylow and Sherelle Robinson-Brown, both of the two ladies I just mentioned, are at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with Social Selling. Here we are. We're back and we're talking about something that may in fact be a little bit controversial. Twitter for social selling. Good, bad, ugly, half-baked, inane, or wonderful and something you want in your social selling internet-based arsenal of tools. You pull that arrow on Twitter, are you going to get good results? Start relationships that turn into sales? Well, we're going to find out more about this from our three panelists, Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact, Kirsten Boyleau, and Cheryl Robinson-Brown, both at SAP. So let's start the roundtable, but first, Sarah Goodall, I promised I'd love to know from you. You're now the CEO of Tribal Impact. Tell us just a little overview of what your company does and what you're up to these days, and then we will kick off the roundtable. Go ahead, Sarah. Of course. So, yeah, um, well, I'll start with I'm ex-SAP, so I'm in good company here. Um, But I started Tribal Impact about three years ago, and its sole mission is really to help uh, sales and marketing professionals in B2B companies really cut through the digital noise, and because especially Twitter, it's very noisy. Um, but we help organizations really cut through that via the authentic voice of their brand um, and the most trusted voice of their brand, which tends to be their employees. And uh, we get involved a lot in employee advocacy, social selling, anything really that put, humanizes the brand and puts the uh, the authentic voice out there. So, Thank you very much. I, I love the word tribal in that. I, I think that says a lot. That keeps it very, very human, which is what I think we're trying to get to today. So Sarah's told me the following, two of the many statements of tips. Uh, she, let me see, I'm looking here at your notes. Okay. She says, if your strategy, your social selling strategy includes Twitter, make sure you're in it for the long haul. Don't expect results immediately and create a profile that gets you found. Use hashtags, links, locations, and at mentions. So Sarah, why don't you give us a little explanation of this just for about two minutes, and then we will see what Kirsten and Sherelle think if they agree or disagree. Go ahead, Sarah. Of course. Yeah, the first statement I think is relevant to any kind of social selling activity, really. If, you're, if you start out and you expect, like, next week your pipeline to have increased, or, you know, it's just never going to happen. It comes back to what Kirsten was saying. It's a relationship-building tool. And your sole mission from social selling is to build relationships and add value to your network. Not to really secure a deal. That's not, that is not going to be the immediate outcome if you're operating on social media. Um, but especially Twitter. And the reason I said about, you know, make it, creating a profile that gets you found. Um, a lot of people say, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Nobody looks on Twitter. You'd be surprised, right? 79% of Twitter accounts are outside of the USA. And I read somewhere that something like, uh, you know, what is it, 20%, something like that of people tweet actually tweets, the rest are listening. So don't mm. assume that because somebody might not be using their Twitter account, might not be you know, putting content out on their Twitter account, they are using it as a way to research and to listen. And they're going to find you. And the only way they're going to find you is if you're using the right keywords, the right hashtags. And your bio is a great place to start. But also what you tweet is also a good place to start. So you know, you really got to think about that. And I've had customers find me through Twitter. You know, customers, big customers, have found us through Twitter. Um, So to say it's not really a social selling tool, you know, it can work. People find you um, if you're authentic and you're credible and you're sharing content that's valuable. Um, So, yeah, so that's my kind of opening 
rant, if you like. <laughs> Thank you. I think of it as good advice. I'm actually tweeting it. So there, I'm using Twitter while we are talking. Kirsten Boylow, agree or disagree about Twitter is in for the long haul? Is that the same for all of the social selling tools we talk about, Kirsten, or most importantly for Twitter? What's your POV? Oh, absolutely. It, I've said many, many times uh, as I've been uh, building this program and, and training uh, end users, uh, talking to leaders, it is, uh, social selling truly is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And that goes for Twitter, right? You can't, uh, people will say, well, uh, you know, I, uh, why would I tweet? I've got maybe two followers. And mm-hmm. I would say, well, you're never going to get any more followers if you don't actually tweet. <laughs> You know, so you have to start somewhere. You actually actually have to participate in the conversation. You have to share content. You have to engage, and then you will grow your following. And people will, if you, they find you valuable, as Sarah said, if you if you're authentic and you're sharing good content, people will find you and they'll start to follow you. And you know, I remember four years ago um, when I started this role, I think I had about only about a hundred followers on Twitter, but I really tried to. Um, make sure I was sharing good content, very valuable content, being authentic, you know, trying to, to share the message around social selling and engage with other social selling um, experts in the field. And, you know, I don't have a huge, huge following, but I've never bought any followers. I have about 1,500 followers, and um, and I think the average number of followers on Twitter is around the 350 to 400 mark. Um so I think it, you have to be in it for the long haul. You have to, you know, not expect results immediately, absolutely. And you have to be committed and to being um, there and active in the conversation. Thank you, Sherelle. Love to get your thoughts. And then I'm going to read a sample profile of somebody I quoted a few minutes ago and get a take from the three ladies around the panel. This should be interesting. We're going to have an actual case study. Sherelle, talk to me. What do you think? Agree or disagree with what we started with Sarah at the beginning of this round? I absolutely agree. I think social selling activity will definitely have its peaks and valleys. You have to remain consistent, um, and you have to conduct listening to stay fresh and knowledgeable. If you're not listening to people, you won't know what to share. You won't be able to share valuable content that's interesting to your connections. And if you're not sharing valuable content, then you'll phase out very quickly. So, yes, I do agree. Thank you. Ladies, I quoted at the beginning of the show the quote about Twitter being an eight and a half baked. I quoted Jonathan Zittrain and I read his bio. I'm looking at his profile now on Twitter. He has 43.2 thousand followers. He has tweeted 4,062 times and he is following 6,408 people. He has received 824 likes. Uh, uh, Kirsten, you're probably doing the math on this one. So it sounds pretty good, right? He's got a pretty good following, would you say, Kirsten? 43,000.2. Okay, here's the profile. First of all, his picture is one of those circles, of course, and he's smiling. This is a wonderful smile. Glasses on, teeth showing, smiling, curly hair, great. Okay, here's his profile. Ladies, listen up. A small creature who likes to run around in universities. <laughs> Professor at Harvard underscore law, at HSEAS, and at Kennedy School at EFF board member, director of BKC Harvard and HLS Lib. That's it. Join March 2007, Cambridge, Mass, USA, and his website is jz.org. 
Jonathan's a trained orb. So let's talk about a small creature who likes to run around in universities. My question to the three panelists, let's go around. I know we didn't plan to do a case study, but I think this is a good one. I hope you agree. Uh, my question is, this is very humorous. He is an attorney. He's a very accomplished man in the law. He's a professor, a writer, a guru of sorts in the Internet and legal fields. Accomplished man. And his pro profile starts with a small creature who likes to run around in universities. Sarah Goodall, comment on that, please. I like it because it gives a bit of personality. And I think this comes back to Kirsten's point about people talk to people. They relate to people. You know, if you hashtag stuff and at mention stuff, your bio... And to some extent, he has at mentioned stuff to his bio a little bit. I'm looking at it now. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, you lose the human side. And I think it's okay to be human. I mean, people don't talk to logos. They talk to people. And they want to know a little bit about who you are and what you do. And, you know, and I think it's cool to say, you know, this is, this is what I feel. But that statement says quite a lot about how he feels he is in his position. Um, and I think it's quite valuable. I mean, I... I talk a lot about, you know, being a mum baker, lunchbox maker, um, and all sorts, you know. And I think it's okay because people relate to that. And um, most of my target audience are parents and, you know, facing the same challenges that I do. And it's okay to relate at a human level, whether you're selling, helping, adding value to somebody's life. It's fine to be human and not a robot. So, Thank you. Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Sorry. That was it. Okay, good. I, I like your take on that. Kirsten, what do you think? A small creature who likes to run around in universities. Would you ever have thought of that for a professor and an accomplished writer and legal analyst? Uh, I wouldn't have, but <laughs> it also, like Sarah said, it really gives an, uh, some insight into his personality. He's not, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, so if you were trying to, you know, I, I, it's, if you really, it's back to social selling and how would you approach this person if you wanted to approach uh, Jonathan? How would you approach him? You'd, you wouldn't take yourself too seriously because you know he doesn't take himself too seriously. Uh, you might joke with him. You know, um, you're going to be light and easy in the way that you approach him. He's not going to be, um, you know, this very dark and dour uh, personality. He's going to be light and easy and, and fun to get along with. Um, and it just, these kinds of things really help to un help you to understand. And I think that's the power of Twitter and the power of social media in general is helping you to understand the, the personality of the person that you're trying to approach. Uh, as Sarah said earlier, you know, you can still cold call <laughs> and you will be successful, but you're probably going to take a lot longer to, to be successful just in terms of, you know, how many calls you're going to have to make to, to find someone who's willing to talk to you. Because I don't pick up the phone if I don't recognize the phone number. Um, and uh, and so th this the same idea. And when you make that cold call, you have no idea of the personality that you're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. And so, how do you know whether what kind of approach to use? Are you going to be light and easy and and fun? Or are you going to be very um, stiff and formal uh, because that's the personality you're trying to approach? And so, uh, it really helps you to understand and and build that relationship immediately because you can uh, be relevant for that person's uh, personality. Thank you very much, Sherelle. Love to get your thoughts. You like or dislike, agree or disagree with the tone of Jonathan Zittrain's profile on Twitter. I love um, his um, um, tagline. I think referring to himself as a small creature with all of his accomplishments from looking at his website and some pretty interesting tweets makes him seem very humble, in my opinion. Um, and so that great 
tagline implies that he's always learning, which is a great characteristic. And like Kirsten said, he seems very approachable. And I'm looking at his website. He seems very warm and engaging. So I'm making some positive assumptions about him. Thank you very much. I like it. And, you know, as soon as I read the uh, inane and half-baked comments about Twitter, I knew the guy had a heck of a sense of humor. And that's why I like the quote so much. That's why I led with it. Thank you, ladies. So now I'm going to go to some statements from Kirsten Boyleau. She sent me before the show on uh, the use of Twitter in B2B social selling. And here's some interesting perspective. Kirsten says, Twitter has two primary uses. One, broadcasting information. Two, engaging with other Twitter users. Is the broadcasting the more important of the two, Kirsten, from your perspective? No. No, I would say not. Um, Well, I do believe that sharing content and and getting your messaging out there is important um, so that people understand, you know, what kind of value you can bring to a conversation and that kind of thing. If we're talking about building relationships and using social platforms, Twitter, whatever platform it is we're talking about to to utilize and, and grow relationships, build relationships with people so that you can ultimately move into a sale with them, engaging with other users is the most important thing. It's not about, you know, uh, constantly shouting your own messaging because if you're constantly shouting your own messaging and never engaging, um, you're, you're not building relationships. You're only uh, hogging the conversation. Um, if you're engaging with other users and you're commenting on what they're posting or, um, you know, sharing other people's content, you're starting to bring value to them. You're making other people feel good about the way that you're interacting with them. And, and they're, they're building a relationship with you even though they've never spoken a word to you. They, they recognize your name. They're going to start to feel good about um, the things that you have to say, uh, the questions, the conversations that they're having with you. Perhaps uh, you might have a back and forth if you can ask questions and that kind of thing and get them to engage. That's the more valuable piece of Twitter is is having those back and forth conversations. Yes, it's a great way to to spread your message, but it's most of the value comes from having those conversations and engaging with other people. Thank you, Kirsten. I'm going to add a caveat to that. You said that mostly corporate Twitter accounts are the ones that are broadcasting information, while personal accounts are usually used more for engaging other people. What about the human side of the corporate accounts, Kirsten? Is it possible that once they broadcast that information, they do go back and forth and engage more? Is there a balance there? Since we're talking about B2B, is there an advice you would give people who are in charge of corporate Twitter accounts on balancing the broadcast, sharing information versus engaging and creating relationships? I think those that are um, using uh, corporate accounts to, to share information, if they are responding to the engagement that happens on the um, pieces that they're sharing, uh, then that's the, the best way for them to engage. Um, from a corporate brand standpoint, it's not as easy to, um, you know, comment on other people's uh, content and having conversations. Uh, but if they are at the minimum engaging with the, uh, you know, the conversations that are happening on the things that they're sharing, then that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's where they can provide value and build relationships as well. Thank you, Sherelle Robinson-Brown. Love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with Kirsten about the types of accounts and the uses primary of Twitter. What do you think? Sherelle, are you with us? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm usually pretty radical, and I am 
Um, sorry, but I have to agree with this as well. I'm agreeing with everything today. Um, I think broadcasting <laughs> is very important. <laughs> That's funny. But Go ahead. <laughs> but the engagement piece is a little more vital to make connections. It's very flattering, in my opinion, for people to have their own content broadcasted. So when you are engaging in that way, you're essentially giving them digital comments, compliments. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you. Sarah Goodall, what do you think? I Well, to your point earlier, I think brands can be. Uh, I've seen several examples, especially in the UK, where brands have got in touch. You know, it, it depends on the personality of the brand and how they... Uh, Innocent Smoothies is a classic, right? What, what you read on their packaging on the shelf in the shop is very similar to the way that they manage their Twitter account. So I think, I think brands can be um, chatty. I think they can be conversational. So... Yeah, I think I think that is possible, and I think you can do it. To to your point about the name though, and the, mm-hmm. the you know, and makes it is the power of Twitter and the fact that it's so sort of half baked. Coming back to that, I wanted to say something earlier mm-hmm. about it. It's it, Twitter is so noisy, right? And it is full of junk content, you know, that people yes. just put their breakfast up there and stuff like that. You know, it's not people don't know how to use it. That's the problem. And I think when it comes to social selling, if you if you use lists properly if you you know you can target your time like you do using sales navigator on linkedin you can target your time at the people that you care about and you can cut through the noise using really smart techniques and tools in twitter to really focus on the conversations that matter um, and the, the relationships that you want to build and i think and that's why i was kind of on the fence really because the power of twitter yeah is kind of noisy and it is a but that's kind of the freedom of twitter but if actually if you know how to use it properly then you can get a lot of value out of it. So, um, so just coming back to that point earlier. Thank you very much. And and I'm going to just harp for one second, Kirsten. I'll ask you. Many of us, I think somebody just mentioned, people are posting. I got up today. I put one sock on one foot. I put an unmatched sock on the <laughs> other foot. I yawned. I decided to brush the left side of my teeth and not the right side of my teeth. And I think I'll go for a walk and buy a new CD. That was the what seemed to be this very personal. I'll call it junk postings because not a lot of people cared what they were doing in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. And then somewhere along the line, it started to be embraced for business. And Kirsten knows this. When when I set up a radio show for Game Changers and any of our current 14 series, I always ask for a Twitter handle and some hashtags from each of our guests so I can use them in my posting and let them know we're thinking about them and we're talking about them. And that's part of the engagement process, Kirsten. But Kirsten, and I'm running into this, I won't call it a dilemma, just a fact that I'm finding more and more of our guests do not use Twitter. So what do we do about that? What do we make out of that? Do we make it that they are holding out, that they are derogateurs, that they are saying, uh-uh, not for me. I'm not going to go there and play in that sandbox. What's your thought on business professionals who simply decline and we're not talking about the ones whose companies have a policy you can't have any personal tweets going on you can't have a personal twitter handle so what's your thought on that kirsten is that a good sign or a bad sign well i i i hadn't actually realized that i didn't didn't really yeah. think to, i haven't thought too much about that um i know that twitter has seen some bumps in the past um I think with all of the different social media issues that we're seeing out there, I would I think maybe Twitter might be a safer place for people to be um, mm. because 
No, mind you, I don't see them posting the same sort of uh, personal type stuff that you see on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh-huh. I could be wrong. Interesting. <laughs> totally be wrong, uh, because yeah. I don't follow people that do that, so um, uh, maybe it's out there and I'm just not seeing it. I do know it's very, very busy, but I, I'm not seeing it myself. Um, and so it, it, I, I'm not 100% sure what, what it could mean. Uh, you know, ultimately, if if people are really choosing not to use Twitter uh, from a business perspective, then um, yeah, it could mean the demise of Twitter. But I, I don't know. I think, I think that climate might change given what we've seen over the past few weeks. Um, what's going on? What's going on with Facebook? Um, mm-hmm. How locked down LinkedIn is? You know, that kind of thing. That people may enjoy the freedom of Twitter a bit more. I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pose a different question to the rest of the panel just before somebody chimes in here. Should you have two Twitter accounts, one corporate and one personal? And I just Googled, is Twitter mostly used for business or personal? And I'm seeing here a uh, Mr. Gavin Bell, whoever that is, personal versus business Twitter account, which is best on Social Media Examiner, and I do follow them, how to use Twitter for business and marketing. Uh, here's another one, 16 creative ways to use Twitter for business. Here's one, do I need two Twitter accounts? This is on businessesgrow.com marketing solutions company here's one how fortune 500 companies use twitter for recruiting another article facebook versus twitter which is best for your brand and here's one the best time to tweet and why and another one the nine most common mistakes on twitter so i'm going to go around the table sherelle what's your thought do we need a personal and a business account on twitter or is it okay to just use your company account and be very careful what do you think i think in my opinion with so many digital platforms and digital channels like instagram facebook there's really no time to have a personal Twitter and a business Twitter. I think you just need to be very careful. I think Twitter is sort of more open where you have to literally go in and block people or lock your Twitter account so that people cannot see your content. So if you feel like you're going to be doing something that's quote-unquote shady or that's not um, compliant with your company, you should probably stick to a Facebook or an Instagram for that where you have to accept people Um, into your profile with Twitter, I think it's a little bit different. I think Twitter is going to be, um, have some longevity. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I feel like as part of that digital transformation, people are a little bit hesitant to engage in Twitter because they don't know what to share. But I think when you're listening to what's posted in Twitter, you're more likely to engage um, quicker than with the other platforms. Twitter is very reactive. If something's going on in the world, you'll find it on Twitter. The um, advanced search filter where you can look at a hashtag and see what's going on, I think that's one of the more um, positive qualities of Twitter. So I think that having two Twitters, in my opinion, um, my first disagreement for the day is, is a little bit much. Oh, interesting. We got her to disagree with something. Let's go around the table. Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact. Personal and business accounts on Twitter, one or the other. What are you favoring? Don't do it. I've been there. I've had, years ago, I started an SAP Twitter account for myself, you know, SAP Social, Sarah Social, and then I have my personal one. You know, you can't manage a split identity, and at the end of the day, you are who you are, whether it's in business. You don't suddenly walk out the office door and go, oh, now I'm somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm home-time Sarah, not, not work-time Sarah. Just don't even do it, because it's, it's an absolute nightmare to try and manage it. 
Um, secondly, you know, it's boring. So if you had a business account full of just business stuff that relating to your job, it's not authentic. You know, be who you are and just have one account and and don't try and, like, manage two accounts. And to your, to your earlier point about the, you know, it's... It, Twitter has changed a lot over the years. It used to be a place where you used to put your breakfast and all the rest of it. But now it's becoming much more, as Sherelle said, a news-breaking platform. It's a place mm-hmm. when you're at events where you can share sound bites and things like that to share with your network and help inform them, even if they're not sat in the room at the event with you. Um, and it's much more conversational. It's news-breaking. And it's a way for people to talk to brands. And, you know, so it's, it's an open conversation platform and it's a news-breaking mm-hmm. platform. It's not one where you've got to manage your brand. It's it's a place to be you. And I would say don't try and have a split personality because you just won't be able to manage it. So, and I speak from experience. that's the best way I like to use Twitter when I'm watching award shows on TV like the Tonys, the Emmys, the Oscars because I love the unfiltered commentary if somebody's wearing uh, it's gory if somebody's wearing a really really ugly dress they're going to say so no matter who she or he she is or who the guy has a really bad tuxedo or a bad haircut or their jokes are not funny people will say it unfiltered, unbridled on Twitter, and it's like watching a separate channel comedy routine, and I always find it very exciting to watch this, and, and you can barely keep up with it, right, Sarah? Yeah. I mean, this weekend, Bonnie, we've got something very famous in, in Europe going on called the Eurovision. Have you guys heard of it? It's no. a donk song contest. ABBA. It's, it's how ABBA found their fame, um, hmm. and it's the Eurovision contest this weekend, and honestly, the Twitter backstory that happens around Eurovision, it's hilarious. I have more fun reading the Twitter feed than I do actually watching the contest. It's hilarious. um. Yes, exactly. You know what, ladies? We're already in the predictions round. I'm going to start with Sherelle. I'm going to go around the table to Sherelle because we didn't get to your notes, but you had such great commentary, Sherelle. I know you were with us the whole time. So, Sherelle Robinson-Brown, I can give you 60 seconds. What do you predict about Twitter for business? Let's focus on that. Twitter in your social selling toolkit slash arsenal, the arrow with the golden tip on it. Shoot that Twitter out into the universe and see what comes back to you in terms of business and relationships. Sherelle, 60 seconds, your prediction, go. Uh, I think Twitter is going to be an awesome platform for business. I think people just need to take a look at some of the better examples of professional um, Twitter accounts. Um, Twitter is a quick way to nurture digital relationships. It's a quick hit where you can humanize your digital persona even more. You can add value and support to connections by liking, commenting, retweeting. Um, likes are good and comments or shares are even better. So I think that's going to be um, something that is um, similar to LinkedIn. Um, again, the hashtag feature to filter hot topics in the industry that you're um, focused on is going to be something that um, professionals can use Twitter for. It's a great way to identify leads and prospects. You can create private lists and keep your connections organized. I just think Twitter is going to be, um, it's going to be up and coming in the professional hub. So, yes, I think it's great. Thank you. Let's work our way around the table the other way. Kirsten Boylo, you're up 60 seconds. Go. I think uh, Twitter has the, the potential to be used by higher-ups in, in an organization that uh, can build relationships, too. 
you know, we, we talk about social selling. We, you know, generally when we're talking about social selling, we're talking about the, the sales teams, the quota carriers, and the people that support them all around them, maybe marketing as well in that mix. Uh, we don't generally talk about how um, uh, CEOs, uh, other C-level executives can utilize Twitter to build relationships with key individuals. Um, they can, you know, perhaps it's customers that are having an issue and they, uh, a CEO can smooth that water really quickly on Twitter. I think there's, a, there's uh, an untapped space there yet. Um, there has been some activity by civil level executives, uh, you know, responding to uh, customer complaints and that kind of thing on mm-hmm. Twitter, and they go very, very well um, for the company because that it's almost like that that um, very human uh, celebrity touch almost <laughs> that makes you feel really good um, that they've been heard and and that their their concerns are being addressed. Uh, and I think that there's a potential there for, for you know, executives to, ha- to have that kind of impact. And so I don't think there's that, that potential has been tapped yet by Twitter. Thank you very much. And Sarah Goodall, last but of course not least, a tribal impact. Sarah, 60 seconds. What do you see coming down the pike for Twitter in business? Well, I think, you know, given that Twitter is, for the, last, for the first time ever, it's turned a profit in the log and Q4 just gone. Um, I think we're seeing a massive change in the way Twitter is being used as, as mainly a customer service channel for brands. I think it's a place where, you know, customers are openly trying to engage with brands from a customer service perspective. But my view is that everybody in your company has the ability to influence the customer experience and the customer service. It's the responsibility of the whole company and sales. We tend to be the first point of call for customer service. It's the first place people want to go to. It's their account manager or the key account manager or the sales rep. So, I mean, for me, in business and in social selling, so Twitter's not going to go away. Twitter will be there for early, early nurturing, I call it. It's, it's a bit where you get on somebody's radar without being really intrusive and in their face and sending them an email or picking up the phone. And it's that place where you just sort of, you know, you scratch the surface and you say, I'm here, I'm here, hi, I'm liking, I'm retweeting. And then you can move it on to LinkedIn engagements and then you can move it on to a connection request or a referral. For me, it's that early, early nurturing in social selling, and it's the responsibility, like I say, of everybody to manage that customer experience and that, that customer service of the brand. So um, so I don't think Twitter's going anywhere. I think it's just going to become more instrumental into the way consumers to engage with brands and leaders, to Kirsten's point. Thank you very much. What an interesting show, what an interesting panel. I have my prediction. Sarah Goodall, a Tribal Impact, Kirsten Boyleau, and Cheryl Robinson, branded SAP, are going to come back and do part two with me on Coffee Break with Game Changers at the end of the summer. Ladies, all say yes. One, two, three. Yes. Yeah, I heard it. Yes. Good. Okay. It's a deal. I'll send you the invitation later. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. What a fascinating conversation. We were all over the map. When you have really flexible, savvy, smart thought leaders like these three ladies, it works like a charm. It's been a pleasure speaking with the three of you. And I have my call to action. A quick shout out to Aaron Keller, our intrepid engineer at World Talk Radio. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Sarah Goodall, just like Kirsten Boylow, just like Sherelle Robinson Brown. Talk to you in an hour. We'll be back with game-changing conversations talking about the circular economy. You don't want to miss that one. 12 noon Eastern here on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. 
To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.